Chapter One of The Little House in the Fairy Wood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Charlotte Duckett. The Little House in the Fairy Wood by Ethel Cook Elliot. Chapter One Magic in a Mist. That morning was no different than any other morning, though it was the beginning of all things new for Eric. He was awakened early by Mrs. Freg's rough hand shaking his arm and her rough voice in his ears. Get up, lazy bones! All you boys pile out this very minute. It's six o'clock already. She reached over Eric and shook the other two boys in the bed with him, repeating and repeating, Wake up! Wake up! It's six o'clock already! When she was sure the three boys in the bed were awake and miserable, she crossed the room with a hurried, heavy tread and clumped clumped down the stairs into the kitchen though it happened that way every morning and it happened so this morning this day was to be very different than any other in eric's life but eric could not know that so he crawled farther down under the few bedclothes he managed to keep to himself and shut his eyes again just for a minute the night had been a cold one and the other two boys in the bed because they were older and stronger had managed to keep most of the bedding wrapped tightly around them, while little Eric shivered on the very edge. So he had not slept at all in the way little boys of nine usually slept, that is, when they have a bed to themselves and their mother has left a kiss with them. When he had slept, he had dreamt he was wading in icy puddles out in the street. It was only a minute after he was huddled there, trying to come really awake, when he sprang out, and without the thought of a bath, was into his clothes in a minute. The two older boys followed him more slowly, yawning, growling, and quarrelling. Breakfast was served in the kitchen by Mrs. Freg. The room was bare and ugly like the rest of the house, and the food was far from satisfying. The older boys got most of the bedding for themselves, and so they got most of the breakfast, while Mr. and Mrs. Freg laughed at them, and praised them for fine, hearty boys who knew what they wanted and would get it. You will be a success in the world, both of you said Mrs. Freg, with mother pride gleaming in her eyes, when they had managed to seize and divide between them little Eric's steaming cup of coffee, the only hot thing he had hoped for that morning. "'Will I be a success, too?' asked Eric, in a faint but hopeful voice. "'You?' said the harsh woman. "'You, young man, had better be thankful to work on at the cunning instead of starving on the streets. "'That's the fate of most orphans. Success, indeed!' Now, hurry along, all of you. It's quarter to seven. But right there was where the day began to differ from other days. Eric did not hurry along. He threw down his spoon and cried, I'd just as soon starve in the streets and wade in its icy puddles too, as live here with you and your nasty boys, and work in that old canning factory. I just wonder how you'd feel if I went out this morning and never, never came back. I'd like to do that. Mrs. Freg laughed and her laugh was not a nice mother laugh at all, for she was not Eric's mother, and she never pretended she was. Why, little spitfire, it wouldn't matter a bit except one less mouth to feed. You won't be so silly as that. You don't want to starve. All right, said little Eric, snatching his cap from the peg. You said it wouldn't matter to you. You won't see me again, any of you. I hate you all. Everything in this world, I hate you. You've made me hate you hard. In a minute he was in a flood of people, men, women and children, moving towards the canning factory, 
a big brick building on the outskirts of the city. Eric had worked in the factory from the day he was seven. There is no need to tell you what he did there, for this is not the story of canning factory Eric, the queer, hated Eric, who had waked up that morning. Oh, but he did hate it. His eyes were full of hating tears, and they ran down his face, making horrid white streaks on his dirty cheeks. He was hating so hard that he did not even care if people saw his tears. He lifted his face straight up, and dropped his arms straight down by his side, and walked along, no matter how fast the tears came. Now, he had often hated before, but never quite like this. Before, it had been a frightened hate, a gnawing, hurting deep down inside. But today, it was a flaring hate, a burning thing right next to his head. It was big, too, because it included everything that he knew. Mrs. Freg, her boys, the street, the people jostling him, the hottest and wildest of the canning factory. How terrible to go in there in the morning, when the sun was only just up, and not come out again till it was quite down. Eric knew little about play, but he did know that he could only be let stay in the sunshine, and he would find things to do there, if they'd let him try it once. So he walked along in the direction the others were going, the hating tears in his eyes and on his face. But no one laughed at him, and no one asked him what the matter was, even the other children. For he was not crying in the usual way with little boys. He was walking along with his head up, so people did not bother him. He had reached the outskirts of the town, and was almost in the shadow of the big, cruel factory, when the magic began to work. For there was magic in this day that started so badly. It was only waiting for Eric to see it before it would take a hold of him and carry him away into happiness. It had waited for him at the door of the dull, bare little house that had never been a home to him, but his tears would not let him see it. So it had followed beside him all the way to the factory, waiting for him to feel, even though he could not see. And he did feel, just in time to let the magic work. He felt that the day that had begun so freezingly was warm, strangely warm. He wiped the tears from his eyes away to the side of his face with his sleeve and looked up. The sun was very bright, but in a mild, pleasant way. And the trees on either side of the street were showering softly, 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 yellow autumn leaves, until they covered the cobblestones all around. Eric did not think about being late. The magic was pulling him now. He went across and stood under the tree and felt the leaves showering over his head and shoulders and caught a few in his hands. All the people passed, and soon the last one was hidden behind the heavy factory door. Eric gave the door a glance or two, but did not go. Over the roof of the factory he saw the tops of tall trees waving. He had never looked so high above the factory before, but he knew there would be a wood on the other side, a wood he had always been too tired to think of exploring, even now on holidays. Now he saw the tops of the tall trees beckoning him in a golden mist. The mist is the other leaves, thought Eric. With every beckon the golden mist of the leaves grew brighter and brighter, until he could not see the beckoning any more, only the mist. Still, he knew the beckoning was going on behind the mist. If I'm going to live in the streets at night, there's no need to live in the factory by day. I'll just go and see what these trees want with me. Very slowly, with little firm steps, he went by the factory door and then around under its windows to the wood at the back. It was an Indian summer. That was why the golden leaves were showering in the midst and why the sun was so warm.
Eric dropped his ragged coat and cap on the edge of the wood. It was so warm, and went in. The little girl had been watching him from her place at one of the factory windows, where she was sorting cans. She had seen him before, working in the factory, day after day. And they had played together sometimes at the noon half hour. Now she wondered what he was doing there. Had they sent him, perhaps, to do a different kind of work that could only be done in the woods? But as he walked away, in under the trees farther and farther, the golden mist over the wood drew in about him. And although she leaned far forward over the cans, at a great risk of knocking over dozens and setting them rolling, he was lost in it. It had dropped down behind him like a curtain. End of chapter 1